Good to be travelling with you. Hello again. Hola, Julia. Oh, listen to you. You're smart, Alex, sometimes, Ben, because we are going somewhere today that you have been and I am yet to visit and cannot wait. Yeah, we're going to one of my absolute favourite places on the planet. Yes. A place I spent quite a bit of time in, a few weeks actually, kind of travelling the length and breadth of it and up into the high mountain peaks and down to the uh, the wonderful beaches. So where is this, Ben? Well, we're off to South America and Peru. Great. Yeah. Yes. And we will be talking to guests as well. I'm so looking forward to hearing about the food there. You would probably know about it, but an expert or two always makes it slightly better. Absolutely. There's some really, really exciting things happening in the kind of fine dining, sophisticated uh, food scene in Peru, particularly around Lima. So I can't wait to hear about that. So let's go. Vamos. (laughs) Yes. Um, I love Peru. It's an absolute fave of mine. Um, A stunning, stunning country, amazingly diverse, culturally incredibly rich and um, just so much, so much to see and do. So I visited um, some time ago when I didn't have the kind of pressures of having to be anywhere at any particular time in my life and um, I spent about eight weeks in Peru just making my way from south to north and um, taking my time and really soaking it up. It's amazing. And you didn't have a plan? You just went from place to place or...? Yeah, it was like that. Yeah, no, yes. no plan to speak of other than sort of an entry point and an exit point. And, um, and off we went and we just travelled around the country in very comfortable buses and um, some beautiful train journeys as well. And um, basically made our way from Lake Titicaca in the south, right on the Bolivian border, up to, um, and, and some weeks later, across the border back into, or across the border into Ecuador in the north. Yes, because what actually, for those of us without a map in front of us, what actually borders Peru? Oh, quite, just, quite a few countries. Just about everything in South America. So in the south, you have um, Bolivia and Chile. Um, bordering uh, southern parts of Peru. Yes. Um, uh, it has a, a, a western coastline. So it's basically Peru kind of sits at that bulgy hip of South America, uh, so facing the Atlantic. Um, and then to the east, you have Brazil, uh, to the north, Colombia and Ecuador. Colombia. Colombia, see. Sí. Yes. Sí. Now, obviously Machu Picchu. Yeah. Life-changing. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it's pretty astonishing and, you know, we like many people walked the Inca Trail. So we did four yes. days, four days on the trail. And the, what the trail kind of reveals to you is that because we have this sense of Machu Picchu that it's this lost city and it was this outpost in the middle of nowhere when in actual fact it's connected to a bunch of very, very interesting Incan settlements and cities along that Inca Trail. So every day as you walk, you, you know, come to another settlement or hillsides that are terraced for agriculture. So you get this sense that Machu Picchu was an important part of something much bigger. Um, And the city itself is amazing. Um, We had that classic get to the sun gate for dawn to watch the sunrise. Um, Oh, is that one of your moments? Yeah. You know, we talk about moments when you're travelling. It was. And, I mean, even though there were a few people around, it was still pretty amazing. And then just to kind of wander through that place and see their ancient um, irrigation channels still funnelling water through the city and little pools filling up and – um, and then to climb the peak beyond Machu Picchu and look back on it from another direction, just fascinating. Yeah. Now, that, that's something that we're all sort of aware of, but take us elsewhere for those of us who haven't been and desperately would like to go. What What is it about um, that part of the world, Peru, do you think, that once you've left Machu Picchu, you're going to go somewhere else and go, I don't ever want to go home? <laughs> 
Well, I think it's that really interesting combination of an ancient culture and then yes. a colonial culture and how those two things kind of come together, um, where they clash and where they kind of merge. So you get this very, very interesting cultural mix. Um, and then, and then you see that culture kind of flip itself on its head. And for example, there's a lot of Chinese food in Peru. So oh. almost everywhere you go, there'll be Chinese restaurants. And why is that? So, well, I'm, I'm, we might have to ask an expert, but I, I'm guessing perhaps connected to a gold rush of, or, of some kind, um, very much. But there was an interesting gold rush in Peru, wasn't there? Well, there was a proper gold rush. Um, but I think they also found potato, <laughs> potatoes. So uh, potatoes became a staple for many parts of the world. And, and that was considered the gold rush, yeah, so to speak, so. wasn't I it? That they so. found. So. But the, I think, you know, this is also the land of El Dorado. This is the great place that drew the conquistadors to, to South America in the first place. Well, there you go. That could have been it. Now, tell us a little bit. If while we're on potatoes, mm. there is some extraordinary range of potatoes in that country. Is there not? Oh, th- hundreds or thousands of them. And you, you venture into any market, and you'll see all different kind of different kinds of potatoes and corn as well. The amount of different coloured corn and uh, corn of different sizes is pretty amazing. In when you visit those markets, so it is a real staple, particularly up in the in the um, the high altitude areas. But the, the cuisine can get quite sophisticated in, in Peru's cities and uh, case in point, two of the world's top ten restaurants are currently in yeah. Lima in Peru. Now, you mentioned that to somebody that who, to whom I was speaking earlier. Uh, that is just amazing. Can you take us a little bit on that, not too much on that food journey sure. because we're going to speak to a pro- proper foodie, yeah. not you, Ben, <laughs> but... Um, Tell us about the, the the little that you know about the food in that country because it's actually eye opening. Yeah, it is really interesting, and it's it's been it's born out of Lima, which is the the capital, and in particular the kind of well to do suburbs of Lima, so around um, Miraflores, which is a beautiful coastal neighbourhood of, yes. of Lima, um, very much where the city's best restaurants and bars and kind of that sort of European culture kind of springs from, and a couple of uh, very very interesting chefs doing some uh, incredible things with traditional Peruvian produce and really bringing it to life, I guess, in a kind of modern contemporary fashion. So you'll find um, ingredients like like potatoes and corn, lots of seafood as well, being presented in quite a unique way that's just uniquely modern Peruvian. Uh, See, that's the surprising bit when you talk about it because you do actually think about it as one of those extraordinary South American cultures. Mm. But that takes you into the serious modern world. Now, there's a couple of other things about Peru. Can you tell us or do I have to tell you? Because I have briefed myself not to be outdone by you on this one. Go. Highest sand dune in the world. Yeah, I didn't visit the highest sand dune in the world, but I did explore, and this is so unexpected, proper desert areas. So I guess Peru's landscape is really diverse as well. So effectively you've got the Andes that run through the centre of the country, I guess south to north. Anything to the east of that is basically Amazonia. So it's rivers, jungles, incredible experiences down there, you know, spending time on the water, seeing river dolphins and capybaras and anacondas and jaguars and macaws and all those incredible bird life. Um, And then to the west – is very, very dry. So many, you know, great stretches of the coast where you find some very fine beaches and some incredible surfing, which is another astonishing thing that blew me away. In fact, one of the longest surf waves in the world is is in Peru. Were you on it yeah. ever? Yeah, it was tiny. It was very small when we were there. So when, when it's working, the you'll surf for about a kilometre. 
Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, one wave just, will go for about a kilometre. So. <laughs> Did you do that? We, we rode that way, but it was very small. So we were only getting 400 metre oh, rides, nothing. that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, surprises like that at every turn. Um, so the, 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 the Nazca lines, now that's that's an extraordinary thing in Peru. Yeah, it is amazing. And I, I Can was, you describe what it is? Yes, I really, really wanted to go there. I've been aware of them. Um, as a kid, yep. I think watching great mysteries of the world or something on Sunday afternoons with my, with my grandma and, uh, yeah, the Nazca lines really caught my attention and they're, they're, they're fascinating for a bunch of reasons. And what, what, what are they? They're so hieroglyphics, they they're straight lines, they're enormous drawings and patterns on this desert plain that you cannot see from ground level. You just, it's not until you get up to some elevation that you can actually see these images. So some of them are just incredible geometric lines that disappear off, you know, into the distance. They're literally miles and miles long and, you know, odd kind of triangles and strange shapes. And then there are specific patterns. So there's And a, animal shapes too. Yeah, a giant hummingbird and a spider and um, – um, the hummingbird is the is. I'm just trying to think of the other ones that we saw, but a oh, monkey, amazing monkey, and and a very strange kind of humanoid thing, uh, thing sort of waving to the sky. So, so it has lots ben, of many theories of Ben, of, Ben, of, Ben. Yes, have they stop. been here? Did they come from outer space <laughs> visiting Peru? Is well, that what it was? was? What else the theory could it be? on yeah. those Sunday afternoons when I was a kid? Well, great mysteries of the world. That still a mystery. Be, that seemed to, well, so I I read up a bit about it and I did actually see a very good, um, I guess it was a documentary that, um, and, and it makes sense in this context, that this is a part of Peru that's very, very dry and really relied on seasonal rainfall. And they made a connection with the arrival of the birds. So when the birds would come, the rains would come. Yes. And the birds, I guess, were following the rain, but they went, we need to get the birds here. So they thought, let's create these enormous images on the desert floor to attract the birds, and with the birds will come the rain. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave it at that one, yeah. shall we? Now, that makes I sense to me. I'm yes. into that one, yeah. Yes, but you've got to be up pretty hard to be doing those drawings. Yes. Yeah, so it's not like, I, a, just I know. Not so like how, a ladder. How they it? actually did yes. them is, yeah. That's, that's the mystery. That's interesting. That, that probably is that's the mystery. That's the mystery. But, so there's a couple of ways you can see the lines. Um, you, there's a, a observation tower right next to the Pan American yep. Highway that maybe – four or five stories high and you can get up and I think that overlooks the um, perhaps the monkey. Um, but you can take a small plane, a joy flight, oh, and get up fantastic. and that is incredible, amazing. So now when you go to Peru, you've mm. got the, the mixture of extraordinary things like the restaurant, yeah, the beautiful culinary um, experiences that you can have. Then you have this sort of um, wondersome um, uh, event standing up seeing a monkey from so high up mm -hmm. that you don't know where he comes from. Mm -hmm. But the Amazon itself, the Amazon basin, you can go in there, you experience everything that is just blissfully magnificent about the Amazon and frightening. Yeah. And I, I, I think this is what makes Peru such a um, great place to visit because it's quite compact, relatively compact, but you can see all of those things. You could spend a couple of days um, down in the jungle on a gorgeous – luxury river cruise, for example, or staying at a Heaven. beautiful lodge down in uh, around Puerto Maldonado yes. in the Amazonian areas. We can get way up into the mountains, up into the Altiplano, you can do gorgeous luxury train journeys into Machu Picchu and out again from Cuzco. Um, if you're a hiker or a mountaineer, incredible experiences in that area. Uh, if you're a surfer, fantastic um, and just full of adventure. And the, for anyone who's interested in that, 
Incan pre-Columbian culture, that stuff is absolutely everywhere. Now, what, just a little bit on the architecture itself: colourful, white. What is it? Is it? Um, it varies. Mixed. Is um, it? I when I think of it, you know, I, okay. So I, I put myself up overlooking Cuzco. I'm yes. on a terrace somewhere, and I effectively see a Spanish colonial city and yes. all those amazing terracotta colours. So loads and loads of texture, but a kind of uniform colour. Um, but other cities like Arequipa, uh, it's known as the white city. So it's stone is completely different and all the buildings are sort of a glorious white color so a lot of diversity but it's that it's that beautiful spanish you you'd feel like you're in spain half the time it's amazing now i want to ask you so we're going for eight days so we're Mm -hmm. either going by coach or we're going by road or we're going by local bus what are we doing and where are we going so you probably um if you're there for a week you're probably um either getting around independently on buses and trains or If you've only got a week, you know, some kind of organised tour is probably the way to go. It just takes a lot of the hassle out and, uh, you know, wasting time working out how to get from, I don't know, the bus station to your accommodation. And the most important places, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and being guided is is really important. So um, that would be uh, a recommendation. Um, Basing yourself in Cusco would be a terrific um, starting point because from Cuzco you can get out to Machu Picchu, to the Sacred Valley, to a number of um, astonishingly beautiful um, areas up in that altitude. That's actually something to point out. So it's quite high. Um, If you're flying in, you may well find the effects of altitude Kind of yes, because that's a good point. Does it take your breath away yeah, beyond it its beauty Absolutely. just because of where it is? And particularly if you fly in. So if you fly in from sea level and all of a sudden you're at, I don't know, 4,000 metres or something, yeah, you can feel the effects of altitude. And some people don't and it's not until they get a little bit higher. So I really felt it at about 4,700 metres, so, you know, maybe wow. out trekking. Um, but a, a, something the, that is recommended is drinking coca tea, so they make a tea out of the coca leaf, or even chewing the coca leaf. So at any market you'll see bags of um, the coca leaf and you chew that with a little a substance that extracts some kind of um, goodness out of the leaf that helps you with um, alti- the effects of altitude sickness, it suppresses your appetite and happy days, away you go. So then we've gone from, from Cusco, where then, then we can go across to Lima, of course, to where the fabulous restaurant yeah. is. Yep. And then heading north, um, yep. you find some of these fantastic uh, coastal areas around Trujillo. And these cities are um, have that colonial vibe about them as well. In and around Trujillo on the coast is the world's largest effectively um, adobe ruin, a city called Chan Chan, which is really, really beautiful, well worth seeing as well. Um, And then you can head inland from that northern coast to er the area around Juarez, which is where there's some amazing hiking and trekking. You know what? You could be a native. Well, Speaking of which, the costumes... The yeah. original Peruvian costumes, colourful, gorgeous, really fabulous. Really colourful. And I think this yes. is where you see this um, amazing sort of contrast between, say, Spanish colonial cities and yes. places and spaces and the traditional um, the people and their their clothes that they wear. So incredibly brightly coloured and you see these, the Campesina women with their bowler hats and, you know, these amazing layered skirts that are brightly coloured. So ama- incredible contrast of, of cultures. It's really, really obvious there. Amazing country. <laughs> yeah. 
amazing country and, you know, beautiful food as well. Lots of seafood. We ate lots of uh, ceviche when we based ourselves on the beach. So yes. Like Quickly, that is cured, seafood. Cured with... fish uh, dish. Yes. So um, some white fish with a lemon juice, maybe some um, red peppers and onions, something like that. So quite a common dish in the Pacific. It's interesting that that dish you find there. right across the yes. Pacific. Um, yes, people are always terribly impressive if they serve you ceviche. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds quite posh, doesn't it? But I think it's it does. super, super easy. Can I uh, impress you, yeah. just before you mm-hmm. go on, mm-hmm. uh, the largest bird is a native to Peru's Andes mountain range. Did you know that? Yes, the condor. No, you did not know that. You're just saying that. Yes, and the <laughs> tallest flowering plant in the world grows in Peru. Is that right? Yes. So, so there you go. Can I tell you my condor Please encounter? Please yes, So yes. we, another, okay, this, you go to places like this and they just reveal themselves to you as you go. And so Peru is also home to the world's deepest canyon, which dwarfs the Grand Canyon um, by yes, some measure. Yes. Quite, quite a different experience, literally just sort of a single gorge that disappears to forever. Um, we were perched on the edge of that waiting for the sun to come up because as the sun warms the air, the condors come up from the bottom of the canyon. And so that morning we sat there on the edge of the Colca Canyon with condors <gasps> kind of with these, you know, creating these massive arcs in the sky. And then just to our right were tiny hummingbirds. So, you know, these tiny, weeny, weeny little birds whose wings are beating so fast you can barely see them. And then 100 metres to the left you've got condors um, rising on the thermals. It was well, pretty you know amazing. What? I'm going to congratulate you on doing all of that because it sounds like the most extraordinary, wonderful place. Thank you to you for making it sound even better. You know, it's hard to make a decision where to go, but this one sounds like so diverse, so fabulous, with some of the biggest and the best and the ta- – I love the tallest, tallest flowering plant. Mm. That is the best piece of news. <laughs> but everything from there to going out to dinner in Lima. Yeah, beautiful. And, you know, the drink of choice, of course, is the Pisco Sour. Yep. So Pisco is a city in Peru and the Pisco Sour is made for, made of Pisco, which is a local brandy of some kind mixed, I think, with, with lemon. And my favorite thing about that was we, uh, we found a brand of Pisco called Control. That was the name of the brand. <laughs> so when you were out of control. Yes. You were pretty much out of yes, control. You were. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's terrific. Ben, thank you. Absolutely amazing. Pleasure. Wonderful. Let's go to Peru again for you. First time for me. Let's do it. Yes. Hola. <coughs> ben, I have got a treat now. Two wonderful ladies. The ladies from Peru. Let me introduce to you Andy Vignati and Ruby Baraneccia, who were My Kitchen Rules stars. Fantastic. And they know a lot about Peru. Ladies, welcome and hello. Hola. Hola. Hola, ladies. <laughs> so where are you both right now? I'm in Australia. <laughs> Andy, and, that's you. Yeah, and I'm on holiday at the moment in Italy, so yes. And in Italy, you are in Roma, La Bella Roma. La Bella Roma, yes. That's very good. Then we want to know um, a little bit about My Kitchen Rules before we begin, what it was like for you on the show, what you cooked, and was the pressure great? And even more so, were the tastes that you created just wonderful? Oh, wow. Yeah, My Kitchen Rules was an incredible experience because we were the first um, Latin team that they've had in 10 years, so specifically Peruvians. So a lot of the people around the table, they actually had never been to Peru, so there were completely new flavors um that we, we, we had to cook. And with that comes a big risk because we love our food, 
but you never know how other people are going to take it if it's something they've never tried or heard of. So mm-hmm. that was a bit tricky for us. And did they love it in the end? Yes, but we ended up really, you know, showcasing Peruvian cuisine and what it's all about. And we were one of the strongest competitors throughout and we made it to the top top three. So our Peruvian flavors really carried us through. Did you struggle to find any particular ingredients you needed for your traditional Peruvian dishes? Oh, yes. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's very hard. We had a lot of challenges where you could only um, get stuff from coals. So we didn't have our yellow chili paste or mm-hmm. some of the, a lot of the paste that we use, which that's the only form you can find things here in a paste or powder. You can't get fresh yellow chili or like the fresh ají panca or a, a fresh lucma fruit. It's... It, it's it's really hard, but we tried to you know use these paste forms and replicate it as closely as closely as we could. Um, and you guys are both from Lima, is that right? Yes. Did you know each other in Lima, or did you meet in no. Australia? No, no. I, we met in Australia. <laughs> we met, yeah, yeah. So uh, Lima seems to be really, really hot at the moment in terms of you know, sophisticated cuisine and there's a couple of um, Peruvian restaurants that keep popping up on lists of the world's best. What do you think's driving that? And is that unique to Lima or to other cities in Peru as well? Is there a lot happening across the country? Well, there's a lot happening across the country, specifically um, because we've got really big um, ambassadors like Gaston Acurio. He's a very, um, he's really helped dr- um, driving um Peruvian cuisine worldwide, opening restaurants all over the world. We've got Virgilio Martinez, which mm-hmm. um, is the chef from Central, which is um, in the top top three um, mm-hmm. best restaurants in the world. And so in the past 10 years, Peruvian cuisine has really, um, you know, it's been booming. We've got all these chefs really driving and putting Peru on the map and also winning a lot of awards and getting a lot of the restaurants specifically from Lima up on the top world's 50 lists. So that's, you know, a lot of people, they're not just traveling to Peru just to see Machu Picchu now. They're actually going to eat. Mm. Yes, because Peru won the award for the best culinary destination in South America at the World Travel Awards just a few weeks ago, which is just amazing. I know. I think, no, no, it's now, I think it's eight, eight years in a row. Wow. That's amazing. I've lost count. I've lost count. count. (laughs) <laughs> this this I'm pretty sure this has this is the eighth consecutive year we've Peru has won best culinary destination in the world. Ah, uh, that's even better to hear that. And are those those chefs that are really getting a global profile now are they doing per, uh, new things with Peruvian food or are they is it a global? Yes. Sport? yes. So, so what would yes. they what are they doing? What are they doing with the Peruvian ingredients? So and I've dishes? had I've had um. Lunch at Central <laughs> Restaurant. Um, last time I went to Peru, and Virgilio Martinez basically offers a menu um, that ranges from different ecosystems. Because Peru, you know, we've got our, a unique vi- variety of climates, ecosystems, landscapes. You know, ranging from the Pacific Coast to mm. the Andes Mountains. You know, four thousand meters above sea levels. So Virgilio, when you go to his restaurant Central, he you actually go through a degustation trying all the different um, food from the different ecosystems. That's how he serves it. So he starts with a Pacific Ocean, you know, and deep 
the uh, with algae then he starts moving up to you know the desert which is all of the pacific coast is desert then to the andes mountains then we go to the amazon jungle so we've got you know pretty unique ecosystems and that means we've got pretty crazy um food crops and ingredients and that's why peruvian cuisine is so good because of our you know immense biodiversity so could you tell us two of your favorite dishes Uh, One of my favorite dishes has to be lomo saltado, that it's one of the traditional Peruvian dishes. It's it's a stir fry that has strips of beef with onions and tomatoes, and it has a soy-based sauce with Hmm. vinegar, garlic, and yellow chili. And it's really curious because it's served with rice and um, chips also with French fries. (laughs) So it's delicious. It's a real mixture of, of uh, flavours across the world. It works. It works. Well, you've got the Chinese influence there. Yes. With yeah. a wok yeah. and the soy. I do remember yeah. I, I spent um, a bit of time in Peru and I remember there being a lot of Chinese food. Oh, yes. It, oh, it, it's so crazy. Many. Yeah. We, it's like we've we've got, itself. Yeah, it's, chi, it's called Chifan. We've got, you know, yeah, a chifan. lot of... Um, a lot of um, different immigrations, and that's really helped also contribute to all the different um, dishes. Like we've got the Spanish that colonized Peru. With them, they brought the African slaves. Then we have the Chinese and the Italian, the Japanese, Japanese. immigrations. So, so Japanese is huge in Peru. People, when we were in, in on MKR, people were like, "Oh, what is this Japanese dish that you're serving?" And we're like, this is actually, you know, Nikkei cuisine, which is the merger of Japanese and Peruvian ingredients. We've got a huge Japanese population. You had a Japanese president, for Fujimori, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Japanese president. <laughs> there you go. So now, Ruby, we've heard that yours is a sort of stir fry. Andy, your favorite dish? My favorite dish has to be ceviche, oh. which is the national dish. You know, it's. We, we've got um, really good seafood. We've got, you know, um, the, whole, the, the Humboldt current, which is really cold, and the El Nino current, which is really warm. So we've got a very diverse, you know, uh, seafood variety. So our fish is really fresh. And no wonder why ceviche is our national dish. So I love having, you know, it's lightly cured in the acidity of the lime. And you've got that with red onions, with chili. You eat it with a tiger's milk, which means leche de tigre in Spanish. And that's basically like the marinade that we use. And it's served with sweet potato, which is really nice because it's nice and sweet, and some corn. So that's definitely my favorite dish, ceviche. I want one now. Yeah, I I lived on ceviches around Huanchaco up in uh, the north Mm. of Peru. The beautiful. Huanchaco has really good seafood there. Yeah. It was amazing. So, um, in addition to the places we all know about, like uh, Cusco and Machu Picchu and Lima and, you know, perhaps Huanchaco, what are three other places in Peru that people who perhaps haven't been there before? Should um, should visit. Where should we be going? Puno. Puno, yeah, on Lake Titicaca. On Lake Titicaca, so mm-hmm. that's the frontier from Cusco to Titicaca. You can take a train or you can bus it, and mm-hmm. it's just absolutely beautiful. Like there's so much color. The the landscape is just amazing, and everybody, you can even like stay and 
with the families there. I did that when I went. Yeah. So I spent a, a night in the Lake Titicaca and spent a night with all these families so I could learn a little bit more about their culture. And it was just a great experience. I remember really nice trout coming out of the lake as well. Yes. Beautiful. Yes, exactly. Mm. So when we're there and we're, we've had a we've ordered a ceviche and a stir crazy, what's the other thing? Uh, yeah, stir, stir fry it sounded a bit stir crazy to me with all the mixtures when we were in Peru, yeah. French <laughs> French fries and soy sauce, um, and I'm guessing that chili is pretty much everywhere. Oh yes, yes. Even with porridge Chili, in the chilies morning, and pa- chilies and potatoes. Mm. So the potato actually originated in Peru. Mm-hmm. And when the Spanish colonized, they introduced, they brought it back to to Spain and they introduced it to the world. But we've got over four thousand varieties of potatoes, and we've got so many chilies, even more varieties than Mexico, mm-hmm. actually. And yeah, it oh, it's just a lot of Peruvian food is really spicy because of the chilies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And we know that if you eat a lot of chilies, you can dance really well. Isn't that the story? Oh, you can salsa. You move your chilies. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely can. Now, because what, what we'd like to know is um, when we've had those dishes, what are, what's a simple recipe that people can create at home that's Peruvian? But something simple where the mm. ingredients are easy to I'm- get and... What? I think I definitely lomo saltado, no? lomo saltado or ceviche. Definitely, it's it's so easy. And I've actually I've got my YouTube cooking channel. Yes. And I've got um, a ceviche and a lomo saltado recipe. And everyone that's made it ha- has said, Andy, this is so easy. And just if you follow the recipe through, because it's really tricky to get, especially with ceviche, to get the acidity, the heat, the freshness, just right. But if you follow the recipe through, you'll be able to nail that balance. And it's just very easy. Like people go like, it's, I can't believe it's this easy to make. Like they, they, they can't believe how easy it is. And I also try to, you know, use Australian, you know, get, get people to find the Australian variety of fish. Because here you can't obviously use the same fish as Peru, which is the lenguado. So I try to find things that match as close as possible to the original recipe and try, you know, to get them to make them at home. And what, um, speaking of matching, what um, drink would you match with a ceviche or a lomo saltado? Pisco oh. sour. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, a lot of people get pisco sour or with ceviche, a lot of people have a cold beer, yeah. like a cujqueña. Or chilcano also, no? A lot of people are drinking chilcanos lately. Chilcanos is a... Kind of like a ginger ale with pisco and lime. Like, I don't think that you're serving in a long oh, glass. Nice. So it's like kind of really light a ginger and refreshing. Beer. Yeah. So can, a lot of people are drinking that now. Wow. Can you cook with pisco? Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah. I use it a lot in desserts. I make like pisco syrups. Um, uh-huh. Then some recipes for the lomo saltado, they actually, some, some recipes use pisco. In mine, I yeah. don't, but some people use a bit of pisco. Um, it's it's like a basically a brandy, so yeah, yeah it's, it's don't try to short it because it's really strong. Yes. But 
my favorite way to have pisco is in a pisco sour for sure like that acidity of the lime and people get a bit like oh it's got egg whites but mm-hmm. it goes so well and now you know be, like because we've i've been in australia for over 11 years when i first got here no one knew what a pisco sour was but now you can find it in so many different menus in different restaurants you can find a pisco sour or a whiskey sour or whatever no no you it's, just make it for us right now <laughs> how do you make a pisco oh sour? my god no, you just walk us through how you or talk us through how you make a pisco sour andy all right can, can, I, can I this is ruby um, yes, I Ruby. I love doing pisco sour. Okay. Go favorite. off you go, Ruby right, for Roma. So just pisco sour, you just need lime. Uh, you need pisco, sugar, a little bit of egg white, and that's it, or sugar. That's all you need. So first of all, you just put it on a blender, pisco, then the sugar. Then you just mix it all together and add a lot of ice. All right, you put the, the egg white in there as well. Yes, at the end, a little bit. Just a t- The egg white is only going to give a foam. That's so, all the egg white is going to do. The egg white doesn't so, go in the blender? Yeah, it goes in the blender. Good, But good. it's just like half, half of the egg white. And yep. the only thing that it's going to do is give a foam. Give a foam, okay. And then and some and, and ice as Angostura, well. Angostura bitters at the end. Finish it off with Angostura mm. bitters. As well. So the trick to serve it, you just have to pour it in two turns. So you serve it and then wait for 30 seconds and then pour it a little bit more and that way you get the nice foam at the top and then you finish it with a drop of bitters. There you go. Sounds Sounds pretty good. good. Can I ask all of you, because you're talking about Lomo Saltado, what does that actually mean? Does it have a translation? It it literally means jumping jumping Lomo. Mm. Jumping, jumping, jumping beef, jumping steak, yeah. jumping, jumping beef, jumping beef. So it's like sauté. So it's, it's right. So, yeah, <laughs> saltado is the term we use for sauté yeah. in right. a big wok. There you go. Thank like you. a stir fry. Just one last thing about Peru, both of you. If you had to just say, we talk about a lot what is a moment when we're travelling, something that takes your breath away. What should we be doing in Peru to have a moment? Eating. <laughs> Eating. For me, Machu Picchu. <laughs> I love Machu Picchu. I was going to ask, have you both been to Machu Picchu? Oh, yes. I've been like it's, it's, it's magical. Amazing. It's magical. You can feel this energy. It's like this ancient energy. And if you stay, look, the most expensive part about going to Peru is basically the airfare. Once you're there, you can, it's not that crazy expensive. And if you know kind of, you know, um, the places to go and see and the hotels, um, it's just magical. Machu Picchu, it's amazing. Uh, and like, we are like both Peruvians, you know, and like we've seen Machu Picchu like millions of times, like everywhere. Mm. But like, honestly, when you are there, you arrive and see like the whole city is just like breathtaking. It's amazing, like, right? Wow. I'm amazing. indeed. So you see, a, a lot of people that go to Peru, they stay in Lima for one day and then they go to Machu Picchu for let's say a week. I would recommend people to stay in Lima a bit longer because that's where, that's the epicenter of, of, of a lot of really good restaurants and, and and there they'll get to try a bit more like diverse um, food options because in Machu Picchu, it's up in the Andes Mountain, you get mostly a lot of, you know, that there are some restaurants that now do a bit of like ceviche and things like that, but I would highly recommend people to stay in Lima at least three days, mm-hmm. if they can, to really experience all the restaurants because it's, it's and incredible. Also, 
And also there's a lot of like um, like cooking classes also that they are giving in Lima. Great. So That's great to know. Great, you know, yes. something good that you can go learn how to do something, learn to do some pisco hours, learn to do the proper ceviche and have lunch and enjoy. That's something I would definitely do. It so- would be it's great. That's that's very good news. Now, ladies, where do we find you? What are your web addresses? And my my Instagram is Ruby Peru. Yep. And we are doing me and a partner are doing a project of opening a food truck pretty soon. Hmm. So probably at the end of the year, uh, showcasing Peruvian street food. So follow me there. All the information will be there, and also in the Andy and Ruby AU uh, Instagram page. Terrific, and also. and and Andy. So for me, it's basically Ini with Andy on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Ladies, Andy Vignati and Ruby Barenchea, thank you very much. It's been wonderful to talk to you. You can speak, you can say the last words in Spanish, Ben, as you Muchas do. gracias. Oh, muchas gracias. Hasta la próxima gracias, vez. Chao. Buen viaje. Chao, chao. Adios, amigos. Chao. Paul Diamond, hello and welcome back to you from Selector Magazine. We're delighted to be speaking to you today about Peru. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, Julia, and good to be with you today. Yes, Peru is um, is a special place. I, I must um, confess, I have not been to Peru. It is on my list of places to go to, not only because I've heard that it is spectacular and unique, but also it does, um, contrary to understanding, have a pretty reasonable wine industry. Hmm. It's interesting, Paul, because um, uh, I have been and I guess my kind of recollections of what we were drinking in Peru was that any any city of any significant size had a local br- uh, beer, had a quite a prominent beer brand. Yes. Um, and there was Pisco, obviously, lots yes. of um, Pisco kind of based drinks in bars, but I wasn't aware of a, a sort of a wine scene or any local wines. Um, so what, what can you tell us about that? Well, look, I mean, wine has been in Peru since the beginning of the 16th century when the the Spanish came to invade. And in fact, um, it is the first place to cultivate vines in South America. So you could could say that from um, definitely, you know, from Peru, that Chilean wine and Argentinian wine got its start. Now, the, I guess the is the perception is that it's the other way around. And certainly when it comes to significant quality, um, Argentina and Chile have have a, a better reputation for quality wine than Chile. But nonetheless, there is a history um, and, and there is certainly a fair bit of wine produced there. Um, so the, the history there is pretty rich. I mean, but I, I guess going back to your point, Everybody starts with Pisco. Um, it usually starts off with a Pisco Sour. And Pisco is, you know, a, a, a brandy that is produced from white varieties and used in many, many different ways. Um, so it is very much considered the national drink, even though the Chileans also call it their national drink. But they're two very, very different things. So you, I guess you could say Pisco is is like... Um, to Peru is tequila is to Mexico. So when you're talking about pisco, is it an aperitif or is it actually a wine? Look, it's used in many, many different ways. It's used as, as an aperitif. It's used as a brandy proper. Um, it's also used as a, 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 um, a, a cocktail blending, i.e. the pisco sour. So it's used in, in many, many different ways and I guess that's a, that's a cultural thing. I mean, ultimately, Peru... You know, there's a, 
it's it's there's a lot of mountains and a lot of desert and a lot of sea. So, you know, all of the food that's produced in and around those regions are always reflected by the drink and how you consume that. So Pisco has has you know is used in all those different ways depending on what's going on. In terms of food, the food's pretty vast. You've got you've got you know close to you know Santiago and and along the coast, you've got a lot of seafood. The main grape varieties that you're going to get there are are pretty standard. Uh, they're going to be the Sablancs, they're going to be the Chardonnays, um, and again, you know, be led by wherever you are. I mean, really, you know, the guys that are producing the, or the chefs and the, the restaurateurs producing the food there are, are going to have spent a fair bit of time making sure that whatever they're serving is going to be matched by the wine. Yeah. So, um, again, and as I say all along, wherever you go, um, ask for that advice. So when it comes to white wines along the coast, you're going to get that. As you move beyond the Andes, um, you're going to start to see, you know, more red varieties. There's more altitude there. Those kind of varieties lend themselves well to that. Mm. Um, and it's where you're going to start to get a little bit more quality. And so, Paul, if you and I are sitting at the end of a lovely day travelling over there, what are we going to be just sipping and before we head to bed? I'm going to suggest that it's either going to be hot or it's going to be really cold in both of those extremes. If it was really hot, I would be having a beer to wash the day away. Then I would be having something quite crisp and dry to get ready for food. So it could be a manifestation of Pisco in somewhere. It could be a very dry, um, you know, Sablanc or Chardonnay to start off the meal. I know you like red wine, though, so maybe we would start with red for you. No, I'm ending the day, Paul. So what should it be? Give me something other than a cup of tea. Uh, look, it's going to be a Cab Sav, I think. Um, that That's the variety that, you know, is, is well regarded from from there. That you will also start to get, you know, other varieties that you see all over South America. Um, Malbec is a variety that um, is very popular in Argentina and Chile um, and Peru. And you, I think also, you know, people think that this is a variety that just came from South America. It's not. It actually came from Bordeaux, from a region called Cajor, and everybody at the moment is drinking Malbec, um, and that's fantastic. Um, but it, it, it's it's a French variety that found its way over there, and they've made it their own, which is fantastic. So, you know, a, a really nice Malbec with a lot of depth is going to – Get me to bed really finish. well. Yeah, perfect finish. Well worth a go. That's it. And what are we saying, Paul? Salute. Salud. Uh, speaking Spanish in yes. there is going to bode you very well. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Good to speak to you as ever. Always a pleasure. Ciao, Paul. Entonces, Julia, ¿qué piensas de Perú? ¿Qué? <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, what did you think about that uh, trip uh, around Peru? See, the terrible thing about listening to something like this when you haven't been is all that I want to do right now is get up and book the flight and go. How exciting does it sound? I mean, the countries of the world are just amazing. This one on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. I know some are on yours that you haven't visited, but absolutely have to go. Yeah, look, amazing place, so much to offer and um, much more than that one trick pony, much more than just uh, Machu Picchu yes, or even absolutely. Cusco. There's so much going on in Peru. Can't wait. Say it again. Vamanos. Oh, I think I'm in love with you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>